Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense, common knowledge, or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do, but only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Before we begin, a note from our sponsor. I'm Richard Jacobs, Executive Director of the nonprofit Finding Genius Foundation and host of the Finding Genius Podcast. In late 2016, I was rear-ended at 65 miles an hour by a truck on the highway, which sent me off-road into a ditch. The impact of the collision gave me a concussion and other injuries. At the hospital, a CT scan showed that I had thyroid nodules, which turned out to be cancer. It was then, when I had a biopsy in my neck, that I realized, even if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't want a second or a third biopsy due to the pain and the invasiveness of it. And appointments at that time for thyroid experts were three to six months out. And I was worried about dying now, even if that was irrational. So because of this, I've decided to raise money to conduct a literature review on steroids, on the causes of anxiety and depression, a condition that affects well over 50 million people in the United States and hundreds of millions worldwide. Our goal is to create a codex, a guide, that reveals all possible treatments for anxiety and depression for people that live with the condition or for loved ones that have it, as my wife and my son do. To find out more about our fundraiser, visit FindingGeniusFoundation.org and click on Current Initiatives. And now, to our guest. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have Lawrence Reed. He's the CEO of Decibel Therapeutics. The website is DecibelTX.com. D-E-C-I-B-E-L-T-X.com. Lawrence, thanks for coming. Oh, thanks very much for having us. Uh, delighted to uh, to join you this afternoon and tell you about Decibel and what we're up to. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, just as a quick intro, can you give a little bit about your background and how you came to be CEO of Decibel? Sure. Yes, no, of course. Well, I've been around the Massachusetts biotech uh, community now for close to 30 years. I'm a scientist by background. Uh, long time ago, PhD from the UK, and, um, got into biotech in the early 90s. I was lucky enough to join a company called Millennium, which eventually became part of Takeda and principally a business development person. I worked at Millennium. I worked at a company called Al Nylum as chief business officer. And then last few years, I've been CEO of a private company called Warp Drive. And I'm now CEO of Decibel Therapeutics since the last couple of years. Got introduced to Decibel through Third Rock, which was one of the principal investors in starting Decibel about six years ago. And very excited to be, you know, be a newcomer to the field of, of thinking about therapies for, for people with hearing loss and uh, been building, building Decibel, financing the company. And we went public almost exactly a year ago now. And we think we're well on the way to early stages, still early, but early in clinical development of developing uh, therapies that can really change the lives of people with severe forms of hearing loss and, and later balance disorders as well. Oh, very good. So what kind of hearing loss uh, does Decibel's products help with? I'm sure there's probably more than just one kind. That's why I ask. That's great. There are more than uh, more than one kind. But let me step back a moment. You know, hearing loss, it's a fascinating field in, in many aspects. Today, it's a field that for which there are no approved therapeutics, no drugs. It's treated essentially by uh, assistive devices 
often hearing aids, which, which uh, I think we're all familiar with, whether in young people or, or older people, or in more severe forms of hearing loss. Um, we use devices known as cochlear implants, which is basically an electronic device that is surgically implanted in the inner ear of people, whether young or older, adults, uh, with very severe forms of hearing loss. So there's a device industry, but despite that, you know, it's a huge set of unmet needs. There are literally hundreds of millions of people around the globe who are afflicted by some form of hearing loss. And at Decibel, we've been focused on, as we think about it, really as a new area for drug development. We've been focused in the early years of the company on two approaches. Firstly, first generation of gene therapy products, we think gene therapy is a wonderful technology for the ear, and we're deploying that today to develop therapeutics, particularly for people who suffer from a various forms of genetic types of hearing loss, where they've inherited two mutant copies of a gene from mom and dad, and that's given often a child that's either born with severe hearing or develops uh, severe hearing loss or develops severe hearing loss over the first few years of their life. And then we also have a rather different product, which is actually a, a small molecule therapy. And that's being used, that's in clinical trials. And that's for the prevention of ototoxicity, which is the damage to the ear, the, the functionality of the ear that's caused by particular types of chemotherapy. And One second, you called it phono or phototoxicity? I called it ototoxicity, O-T-O. Oh, Otology is everything to do with the ear. So ototoxicity. Why would chemo or certain other treatments damage the ear? Are they damaging the hairs or what, what parts of the ear are they damaging and why? Yeah, that's a good, good question. So we're particularly focused on cisplatinum-based uh, chemotherapy. Cisplatin is a, it's a drug that's been around for quite a long time, but it remains part of the broad cancer, anti-cancer armamentarium. And it has a couple of notable toxicities, one of which is ototoxicity, and in, in simple terms, it both kills the hair cells in the inner ear, and it also damages the interface of those sensory cells with the nerve that transmits sound, the concept of sound into your brain. And so our therapy, we aim to administer locally into the ear in advance of a patient receiving their platinum chemotherapy. And so your ear is chemically protected by our drug before the cisplatin arrives to do its damage to your ear. How uh, significant is hearing loss from uh, some of these therapies? From some of those chemotherapy? Well, for cisplatin, the data is not actually very good. So some of it is, unfortunately, is a little bit anecdotal. And we've actually been developing some of the best data around now in terms of the magnitude. But we know that the damage caused by cisplatin in the ears of a cancer patient can cause them to lose a few t up to a few tens of decibels of hearing sensitivity. And so that's enough to take somebody from having normal hearing to very significant hearing loss. Doesn't usually take them down quite as far as being profoundly deaf, but it'll take them down a very significant set of notches from, from normal to, um, to fairly severe hearing loss. And the problem then is, you know, we all lose the hair cells in our ear over the course of our lives, which is why we all eventually hit a threshold in which as we get older, we start to both have, a, you know, our hearing isn't as good as it used to be and our balance isn't as good as it used to be. So if you imagine in the middle of your life or even as a young person getting a dose of chemotherapy that significantly reduces your hearing capability, followed by the natural decline over years to come, then that means that later in life, you're going to be 
potentially very profoundly deaf and suffer early um, from the problems that, as I say, all of us are going to experience to a greater or lesser degree later in life. You know, you give you a profound example would be would be a young yep. man with treated with cisplatin for testicular cancer. Could be talking about a young man of maybe 19 or 20 years age. Very high probability he's going to be cured from from his testicular cancer, and then, you know, today a young man that age is you know probably going to live for 100 years. But if his hearing has been damaged significantly at that age, then you know we presume that by the time he then gets to middle age, he's going to be you know start to be increasingly severely afflicted and still have a long life trajectory ahead of him, suffering from the challenges of potentially quite profound hearing loss. So that's why it's really important to intervene, we believe, at the stage you know, of the chemotherapy being given. And you know, our preclinical data suggests we've got a very good opportunity to significantly uh, protect the inner ear against the damages of, of platinum-based chemotherapy. Before we continue... I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from $10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. Yeah, what other things are you working on at Decibel? Is that the main focus or are there other projects? That's our most advanced program, so that's in clinical trials. The core of the company over the last few years has focused, however, on gene therapy. So we know that there are many, perhaps as many as approximately 100 different so gene therapy for children who inherit two copies of a mutant gene from their parents, and that gives them a congenital form of hearing loss. And we believe that we have the potential to correct that in such children and intervene potentially you know, very early in their life and instate a level of hearing you know, in those children, in those infants, that would be very close to to natural levels of hearing and certainly take them out of the need, for example, for an invasive surgical device such as a cochlear implant. Well, how would that work? How would you help those kids hearing that have this congenital defect? What would the therapy be like? Well, so so these children are inheriting two mutant copies. So so our lead program is for, for the treatment of children who inherit two mutant copies of a gene called odoferlin from their parents. That gene functions to help the hair cells in the ear communicate with the brain effectively. And odoferlin has a role in that signaling. And if you inherit two mutant copies, you're essentially unable to signal from the inner ear into the brain. So you have no ability to transmit the concept of a sound from the outside world into your brain. Our goal is to use gene therapy to introduce a normal copy of the gene essentially directly into the cochlea, the hearing organ. And that gene would then enter the cells, enter the hair cells of the inner ear and function essentially as a normal copy of the gene and replace the functionality that child doesn't have because they got two bad copies of the gene from their parents. Okay. Very interesting. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. 
I guess going back to the chemotherapy-induced hearing loss, I don't know if we talk much about mechanism, but how does it happen? What, what literally is happening to the ear that causes it? Yeah, no, good question. So, so cisplatin obviously is a chemotoxic agent. It works as an anti-cancer by killing tumor cells and um, by damaging uh, nucleic acids in those cells. And it is toxic to the hair cells. And these are the cells that detect the mechanical sound wave um, that then gets transmitted to the brain. And so uh, cisplatin kills those cells and it also damages the interface of those cells with the nerves, with the auditory nerves that, that transmit sound from your inner ear into your brain. And so we're, we're aiming for our drug to be basically administered to the inner ear in advance of the chemotherapy so that by the time the chemotherapy of the cisplatin arrives in your ear, it's met by our drug, which chemically inactivates it and prevents it from exerting its toxic effects on the pressure cells of your inner ear. So it's able to do a local type of protection on a, on a unique cell type. It's not, it doesn't have systemic or off-target effects. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So the principle here, to give credit, was demonstrated by a company called Fennec, who actually have the same active ingredient, which they administer intravenously. And the, and the challenge for their drug has been that, although it does have limited ability to protect tissues against the toxicity of cisplatin, it interferes with cisplatin doing what it's meant to do, namely having its anti-tumor effect. Our approach is we've developed a proprietary formulation. We deliver the, the active ingredient directly into the ear by an injection into your middle ear. And then the therapy basically leaches into the inner ear. And to say, this is in advance of the chemotherapy. So when cisplatin reaches the ear, the anti-toxic effect is already there waiting for the arrival of the cisplatin. And, and our agent, which is, as I say, is a proprietary formulation of a molecule called sodium thiosulfate, is such that it's held in the ear. None of the STS gets out into the systemic circulation. So we believe we have very low risk of interfering with the anti-cancer effect of the chemotherapy. And I wonder if in the future, there will be a cocktail of you know, compounds that someone takes before chemo or before radiation to reduce the systemic or off-target effects of the chemo or radiation. It sounds like this could be a component of, a, again, a cocktail of various things that would be protective to different types of cells. So the mechanism is basically it's, it's a chemical inactivation of the cisplatin. And so what we're doing is locally administering it where we want to achieve the, perfect, the protective effect by inactivating the cisplatin, but we don't have to worry about inactivating the anti-cancer effect. Um, if you could do that, the other major toxicity of cisplatin is in the kidneys. If there was a way to locally administer STS into the kidneys, you could perhaps protect the kidneys from the damages of, of cisplatin. So conceptually, it becomes a, a challenge of how do you protect certain organs without inhibiting the anti-cancer effects uh, of the cisplatin. Uh, Radiation is probably more... Yeah, no, it make, makes sense. It's a, this is a wonderful thing. This is a really, really, really important thing. Um, are no, you, what stage are you at? Is it in clinical use or is it, um, you know, where is it at in the, in the pipeline? So it's in clinical trials. It's in a proof of concept study right now in cancer patients. And what we've said is that we will report some of the data from that trial in the first half of this calendar year. And that will be based on about 20 or so patients with different types of cancer and an analysis of the damage that's being done to their ears 
by the chemotherapy in those particular settings. And uh, it's actually a, a very elegant study where we, we give drug in one ear and a placebo in the other. So each patient is their own control. And one of the areas hopefully gets protected and one of them is subject to damage, but it gives you an ability to really measure the, the damage that's being done and the degree of protection degree of protection that we're able to provide. So far, how much hearing loss do people experience from the cisplatin chemotherapy? It's variable. And in some people, it can be modest, but in other people, it can be a few tens of decibels lost hearing sensitivity. And that's the difference between being, that can represent a transition from having essentially normal hearing. But if you lose 30, 40, 50 decibels of hearing, of hearing sensitivity, then that's taking you down into the realms of a very significant uh, hearing loss. And as I said, you would then expect that to get even worse over the course of the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, crazy. What, how long do you think it might be? I know it's various and all that, but how long do you think that might be before this is in, in clinic use? Probably a small number of years. We're going to finish our proof of concept study this year. Then we'll go talk to the FDA about the path forward and whether we can move to a registration trial, which might take another two years or so. We may have to do an intermediate study to, to get to that stage. So we'll, we'll know a lot more after we talk to the, the regulator, the, the drug regulators, probably you know, later this year. But I, I would expect overall it's going to take us you know, probably another three or four years to uh, really get the, the, the molecule through its, uh, its complete regulatory process. Well, very good. Any other projects that you have in the pipeline that you can talk about? Or is oh, it yeah. taking so, up all so, the bandwidth? No. So we so behind our Oda program, as I mentioned, there are, you know, over a hundred different genetic causes of hearing loss. And the trick is to find the ones that are most prevalent, but also for some of those forms of hearing loss, by the time a child is born, their ear hasn't developed. And we believe that fixing that postnatally is probably hard or impossible. And so we're focused on forms of genetic hearing loss that are have that affect as many, you know, as many people as possible, as many people as we can potentially treat would be obviously would be wonderful. But also where we believe the ear, you know, in a child who's, you know, gone through embryogenesis and, and been born, that their ear is sufficiently close to functional that we can actually rescue it by inserting, you know, one gene uh, into that ear postnatally. And so we have three more programs, monogenic gene disorders in our pipeline behind Odafurlin. And we'll be talking more and more about the data of those as they get closer to the clinic in the next, you know, in the next small number of years. Well, very good. Lawrence, thanks for uh, being on the podcast. Where can people find out more about Decibel website or where else should they go? Yeah, no, website was, is always good. We have a very good website at uh, www.decibeltx.com. And we were just at the, uh, the ARO, which is the main research meeting in the field of otolaryngology and you know, re reported on some of our results there. And we'll be at the major gene and cell therapy conference in the spring, talking about different aspects of our pipeline. So look forward to data releases and updates there. And But yeah, no, the website is always up to date with the latest aspects of our pipeline and where the company is going. Excellent. Well, Lawrence, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks, Richard. Thanks very much for your time. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. 
This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.